Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode, podcast of Reconciling Grace. My name is Pete Vecchi. I am an associate pastor at Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio, and our regular uh, group of characters is with us. Should I call us a group of characters, guys? We're both, we're all pastors here. Josh Kugel is with us. He's the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi, and Pastor Mac, P. Mac, is here at Don McDonald from Danforth Reformed Church, Danforth, Illinois. And it was Pastor Don's um, idea to lay, maybe let's talk about love. First Corinthians 13. And uh, that's something we can talk about. I think that's an important subject to talk about. We're actually calling this, what is godly love? So Don, um, you said you're going to kind of jump in and, and kind of start us off, right? We'll be... Um... I, I just figured first I'd just read First Corinthians 13, starting at verse 4, probably go through 8 there, where it says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. Love never fails. And I know as we were getting ready to dive into uh, recording this, that we sort of found ourselves saying, you know, when we look over love and we read such a text, we begin to realize that this love can help us drive the way we make decisions as we relate to one another. But I know um, Pete, Pete made the comment before we came on that, you know, how much does love drive our decision-making and does it cause us to overlook sin for the sake of love? And, and in that light, I always find myself dealing with difficult decisions by basically saying, as I love this person, I relate to this person. I need to be careful that I don't say your sin is all right, but that I do love the one who's dealing with the sin, you know, that I be patient with them, that I work on not getting angry too fast, that I spend time, you know, trying to say, hey, listen, I want to trust you, but I'm not sure where you are in your spiritual walk as we deal with said item. And, and I find decision-making in the life of the church when it's dealing with, and I'm going to go with the word agape love, because this is agape love, this sacrificial love that's meant to make the situation better. Sometimes it's hard to know where to draw the line. You know, Randy Alcorn uh, wrote a book called, uh, I think it was called Truth and Grace, if my brain is recalled, and it's been a long time ago. Uh, and the question that is always asked is, you're going down a road, you're on a curve, where do you place the guardrail of truth so that you don't go into the valley? Where do you not place it, which is called grace? And it's finding that love and grace element in such a way that you still maintain biblical integrity, 
while dealing with the sin and, and trying to figure all that out. Um, I don't know, Josh, as I'm bouncing this around, what's some of your thinking on it? Because I know you had talked about well, it before we dove in. Love is the most widely defined word in our culture right now. Um, and I've heard pastors preach on it. I've preached on it before, too. I, I want you guys to know I love Bark's Root Beer. And I also love my wife. Um, obviously, those are different degrees, different definitions. Um, and, but we also do with love, uh, we, we define it, I think, the way we want to, or we define it maybe a way to shame others or to manipulate others. And we make love, love has become affirming something. Love is also, but let's look at, um, our goal as Christians is to be like Christ. Um, and scripture says that God is love, correct? So if God not only sets the standard for how we should live and everything, but sets the standard on what actual love is, I think that by studying, by learning about, by reading scripture, by examining God and the way he acts, we can determine not only what love is, but how to love other people. Um this passage here, I love this passage. You see, I just said it again. I love this pa I mean, I, I love a lot of things. Um, and, and, uh, but this passage says, love is patient, love is not jealous or boastful. Is this describing a, a characteristic or the behavior of God? Um, I, I think it's also describing this thing we're hoping to attain for. I think both of you have probably done weddings and where you've read this, this passage. Um, I've done it in a couple and then I stopped because I just don't like being like everybody else. And every wedding I go to, they read first, you know, first Corinthians 13, but it's a beautiful passage, but my goodness, what a, what a high bar this sets for what love is. And it's one that I fail all the time. And it's one that in our society where we say love is love or love is, you know, we, we, goodness, how short we sell what God is and what love is. Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or rude. I mean, how many people waving the banner of love are just beating other people up all the time? It doesn't demand its own way. It's and what I really love to what I really like, I'll say, is it gets to the end. And that's really the motivation for how we do anything with other people is love never gives up. And the Bible also gives when you when you when you catch another person or when someone sins against you, your whole motivation at that point is to win them back, not to be right. So love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. When 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 love makes me make a hard stance, and I have to make sure it's love. The purpose of that stance is not to hurt someone or to to be right. The purpose of that stance is to to win them over to find salvation i i don't know and endures right. through every circumstances and what a bar that sets for love for marriage mm -hmm. when you read that over a marriage and that couple gets into a really rough spot and they remember it and they hopefully are encouraged it all the time at church and by friends love endures through every circumstance Goodness, this is so much more than we paint love as in our culture. And and I think, Josh, what's interesting is you have to take the context of 1 Corinthians 13 
because first Corinthians 12 is about diversity and spiritual gifts. And all of a sudden, and now let me show you the most excellent way of how to keep unity, even in diversity, how to relate to one another. And, and I think what is unity in Christ and diversity. Exactly. Exactly. You know, by love, the way Christ loves us, the way God loves us, and how we journey together in our diversity driven, you know, if we want to be unified, we have to start with love. But I think the debate we're seeing, and, and we were talking about this a little bit, even before we dove into the podcast is, you know, we still have to maintain some form of scriptural identity, scriptural guidelines. Why we're doing this, how do we show love? How do we show the power of Christ redeeming yeah. us and walking yeah. in that love? And and I think that's the thing that really, I think where what's negating the American Protestant church is we've been so embroiled in cultural arguments that we have totally negated the power of the cross and the gospel to bring us back together. Yeah. Well, and I would say, too, um, our motivation should be we love God so much that we love his commands. We want to do things his way. The other thing is we love people to the extent these are people made by God. And we know that their eternal destiny without Christ is more important than um, just anything else. Um, and so it's love that forces us. I People don't, you know. Christian, you know, you should keep your religion out of public square. I, I'm sorry. It's because I love people that I can't do that because they're perishing without the love of, I mean, without the relationship with God. Um, you you need to keep your morals in check and in your room. No, no, no. I, I love God so much and I love people enough that I don't want to leave them in sin and separation from God and something that's going to take them down. So love motivates us sometimes to be, to make difficult statements. <laughs> I, I think the thing that you, I just flashed something that happened years and years and years ago, about at least 30, 32 years ago. Um, I just finished some time at, at Trinity at Deerfield in seminary, and we had to go do contact evangelism, which is something that's not really a hallmark of the RCA, but it's something that we will do. So I don't do roller coasters. I keep my feet on the ground. So I delivered the youth to, I forget, Screaming Eagle, one of those. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden this young lady comes and she sits across me from the, you know, from the picnic table there. And all of a sudden she told me her life story. And then as we talked, there was a lot of mental illness, a lot of issues there. The next thing I know, I was doing the bridge evangelism and saying, you know, Christ is the one that takes you from your sin. Christ is the one that brings you to God. Christ, And and my wife comes, she sits down next to me and she says, who won't you present the gospel to? And a lot of it was, I said to her, it's because the love of God was so needed in her life. She needed to know God was patient with her. She needed to know that God would keep no records of wrongs of her life, that she could have a new beginning that i am amen amen with you josh that that is the love that should build the church that is the love that should bring to life why we are who we are in christ and and i think you know when when we're looking over this title you know what is godly love 
probably one of the answers I would say is it's the very heart of the gospel that we are called to share. Um, and, and when you share that gospel with that list in first Corinthians 13, lives will be changed. And so that, that was, you know, some of my thinking as I was looking over this text, I see you shaking your head, Peter, what are you thinking? Well, I, was, I was nodding along in agreement. Um, I, I like everything that's been said so far. Um, and I think it goes all the way back to something you said very early on in, in our recording tonight, um, that you're, you're dealing with the agape love and, you know, Josh then kind of alluded to it saying, what's the difference between loving, you know, whatever, except loving my wife. I'm sorry. I didn't catch the word that you said. There's two different types of love there, but in the Bible, we find three different types of love, the agape, which is the unconditional. We find the eros love, which is the romantic, the uh, love that like a, a husband and wife would have with each other. And you have the phileo, which is uh, the brotherly love. And there are other kinds of love in Greek too, that they just really don't come out in, in, in the Bible. But I think that part of what we're dealing with is how do we define love? Because, you know, right now, I think a lot of people in our culture would say love means the opposite of hate. And if you don't just affirm what everybody is doing, if you don't affirm that person and what they're doing, whether it be um, becoming transgender, whether it be, you know, teaching kids about transgenderism in, in first, second, third grade, um, all this stuff, if you don't affirm them, then you hate them. And that couldn't be further from the truth because we don't affirm that type of behavior because we know that ultimately that is not good for them. Think of yourself. I mean, we're all parents. I mean, we're grandparents, uh, two of us anyway. And you can't just, you know, let a kid grow up eating candy and say that you hate them if all they'll ever eat is candy. Um, you know, you can't just let them have their way. Sometimes we need to let people know that, hey, there is a better way for you. And Don, as you said about the relationship, the idea is we want people to know Jesus Christ as the one who reconciles them, reconciles them, reconciles us to God the Father. And it's done through love. But we can't just say that love is this affirming thing. So sometimes I think we really need to decide. I shouldn't say decide. We need to more or less explain what is it we mean when we say to love somebody. It, it's hard to differentiate when it when it comes to loving someone, I, I I I struggle with just because I love and care for someone doesn't mean I always affirm their lifestyle. But that's the thing that happens is it is assumed because I'm I'm hearing Josh's voice in my head. You know, it is assumed because we love, we affirm their choices. That's not always the case. I mean, when when I deal with youth who are not in tune with what they're doing in terms of their behavior where they're hurting themselves, I can love them, but I still have to step up and say, Hey, listen, the direction you're going, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to do something that you will regret for the rest of your life. I can say that out of love. You know, I, the, the race in my head right now is the woman at the well, Pete, you know, uh, there's Jesus. It's a midday and we all have preached and taught that one you know, she says right away, what are you doing associating with me? Jews and Samaritans don't associate. And here's Jesus having this 
conversation with someone who he cares for. Yes, she calls he calls out her sin, but he cares for her enough to say, I'm going to love you and we're going to have this conversation. That conversation is done out of love and presenting the power of, of God's transforming, you know, touch in her life. And, and I think that's the thing that I, I feel that love means you're willing to have that conversation. Love what means- would Jesus do? You know, that's part of what what I look at. And, and some people will say. And I, I'm right there with you, Don. Uh, some people will say that Jesus always just, you know, affirmed everybody. Well, maybe unless you were a Pharisee, you know, I, again, I, I've used this illustration before, but what did he call the Pharisees? He, you know, we say, don't call people names. Right. Didn't he look at them and say, you brood of vipers, right. you snakes, you whitewashed tombs. You know, you're full of, you're full of dead men's bones on the inside, even though outside you look all nice and clean and white and, you know, pure. But the problem is that people don't remember when Jesus talked about these things. All, all they remember is, okay, well, he forgave that sinner. Guess what? Yes, he did. But he never told them to go ahead and keep on sinning either. Right. Well, I call that selective reading and selective memorization, you know, that that they, you know, you ignore that part of the confrontative uh, of Jesus, you know. Well, isn't, isn't the word sin a giveaway? <laughs> Parmateo, miss the mark. <laughs> yep. And, you know, one of the things that I remember back in the, in the ancient of days when I was on the road with one of the, one of the uh, traveling ministry teams I was with way back a long time ago, um, one of the, one of the guys in our group, talked about it this way he said and he would say this during the presentation almost nightly he says god loves us just the way we are but he loves us too much to leave us that way and that's the key i think we've gotten to the point in this culture where god loves us just the way we are and then we stop or at least too much of our culture stops yeah. And if you don't love me just the way that I am and just affirm that the way I am is just fine, then you hate me. Hey, could that- you imagine anyone looking out at our culture and the way we're living and just affirming all of it and, and loving us? No, I mean, I you, mean- you got you got what, 60 percent of kids now are born in single parent mm-hmm. homes. I mean, um, marriages fall apart left and right. You got you look at the Grammys this week. It's crazy. The the debauchery that's just become publicly acceptable. Maybe you and can could you imagine Grammys, God right? just saying, Oh, that looks great. That's what I had in mind for you when I made you. Yeah. I mean, that's just the craziest thought. When it comes to the Grammys, I said something beforehand. I says, That's something I can't wait to miss. So, you know, I didn't see it. I heard something about a, a satanic type of performance or something, and that's all I know about it really. But oh, well, yeah, Pete, I, Pete, you I, are I better for not stuff. knowing. Yeah. You are better for not knowing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but sometimes but, and, ignorance is is, uh, is really the uh, best way. Yes, uh, <laughs> you know when we're looking at what is godly love, then you know in in our conversation here, what is the proper response as a Christian to all this? Like like you're asking, you know, Josh. Part of it is if you care enough for our fellow human beings is being willing to be connected into having 
conversations with them over time and being patient like God is. You know, I I had I didn't there was one person who came to Christ and I was blessed because I've been in one place. And I thought, Lord, you this one, you're not I can tell Lord already, she's not gonna want to come into the life of the church, she's not gonna want to change for Jesus. And yet the Lord kept saying, You will stay with her, you will stay with her because I love her and you love her. And she's going through, excuse the phrase, it'll be an aggressive word for a moment. She's going through living hell in her life, and she needs someone to love her and care for her, even though she doesn't want to be a believer in Christ. And she made that real clear to me. And then the next thing I know, she came to consistory probably about three, four years ago, and she claimed Jesus is Lord. 15 years. And love is patient. Love is kind. You know, and I think even though we're questioning our culture and we're saying, look at all this debauchery, we still have to be patient like God and keep having conversations and reaching out. You know, I'm I'm overwhelmed in in, in humility that COVID forced me to have our ministry on digital now on social media pre-covid i was dodging that as much as i could but post-covid we're finding ourselves saying how much do we love you know those who are searching we've got to keep our digital ministry going we got to keep making these connections into culture because we love those who are searching for jesus That um, we can't be all defeated. It's got to be love and just keep loving as God loves us. Does that mean we affirm it? No. But does that mean uh, we have someone we want to share with them? Amen. I, I wonder if if we back up and look at, I, I think most people, because I think the family um, kind of mirrors God's relationship with us in some way, father and child, I think most decent and good parents know what, love looks like if you put it in the context of this your child is beginning a self-destructive behavior that parent does not wish for the worst for their child but they also don't begin to say keep going that way johnny (laughs) and i think somehow maybe in that relationship we can begin to picture and, and a lot of parents, even right now, when, when their kids get involved in a sexual attraction or something like that, they begin to affirm that. But even then, they recognize in there where they're doing self-destructive things. And so somehow, I think God builds into even our relationships a way that we can determine. And, and a lot of Christians will just say, this is objective truth. It's known through everything and every, anything and everything throughout all eternity God's way is somehow, you know, uh, murder is bad, um, lying is is harmful, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but in that, I think we can all get a picture of God's love. And when we look at our child who is entering into a harmful behavior, the last thing we want to do is stand on a soapbox and tell them how trash they are. And it may be the method some of us choose, but the hope and the goal at least for a good to great parent, is to somehow work the situation, work with them. And it could be different in different situations and some, but to get them on the right track because you love them and you want what's best for them. 
Um, the problem is with Christians in the world is oftentimes I don't think we love those outside of the church. And so um, we we tend to when when you start to fall in love with people, and this is why I think a lot of times evangelism should be really, really strong in your inner circle and your close friends and all, because the people you're close to that are far from Christ. And if you start to be convinced that they're 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 condemned to hell for all eternity outside of Christ, you begin to approach that relationship a different way than you do the guy you run in the street that you yell at for being a jerk and say you need to read the Bible, you moron. Um, <laughs> so, so much I, love, I really think, so much love. <laughs> yeah, but but I think in this passage, I don't think it's necessarily talking about that. I think it's also talking about doing love right. Um. And, you know, we, we've got Valentine's Day coming up and, um, you know, it just is, it serves as a reminder. I, I like things like Valentine's Day. I think it's a cheesy holiday and I actually hate it, but um, it's kind of a yearly reminder. I have to do something, you know, or I have to reexamine my life with my wife. Anniversaries are the same thing, too. Um, I made a vow to love her until her or my death and to treat her better than myself and all this other stuff. And so. And, and every take every every time I get to this thought, I just think back. Well, love is patient. Love is kind. This is the way to love her properly. Love my kids properly. To love, you know, the people in our church properly. And I think it's just, man, I, I just think people that that veer away from church and veer away from scripture and veer away from prayer and all this, I, I don't know how they constantly challenge themselves to grow closer to God and to re-examine their relationships with people and to re-examine the way they love others um so well let me ask this question then josh because you talked about people who veer away from scripture veer away from church and you said veer away from something else i couldn't remember that you said three things but how do we then most effectively demonstrate love to them love is patient love is kind it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. My goodness, I wish I could live up to that. Well, Pete, but, you, you look at those two, why is love patient? Because the person you're loving can be tiresome yes. <laughs> or obnoxious. Exactly. And why is love I'm... kind? And so these are like, these are almost reactions to people who aren't living up to their end of the deal, is it? Right, and that's exactly what I was getting at. Is so how, yeah. in a practical way, Don, you gave a great example. It took 15 years for that one young lady who probably wasn't as much of a young lady anymore 15 years later. Um, you know, how, how can we be patient? How can we be kind? How many of us have known people, maybe even within our own families, who had that prodigal, you know, the one who did not go to church where the rest of the family did, the one who did not profess Christ when the rest of the family did, how long do you wait for them? You know, how long can you hold on? How long do you keep praying for them? Guess what? I think you got to keep praying for them all the time. It looks like Don wanted to say something. He just jumped I, in I got there. Imagine as you're saying that, Pete, isn't that the way we're supposed to relate to our culture and those who are lost the exact same way? I, I keep thinking, you know, what I keep hearing in my mind is let's go back and reread Jonah. 
you know, let's go back. God kept saying, Hey, and Jonah's like, no, not those people. No, not those people, you know, and God's saying, yes, those people, they are loved by me. You need to proclaim. They need to repent. I love them. They need to hear that voice. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we were too much like Jonah. I think one of the reasons why Danforth Reformed Church is staying in, in the RCA is because we feel a call to keep presenting the gospel and who we are as a little church. We feel called to love those who are in the RCA that we might not agree with, but we still want to be in the conversation. We still want to be connected to the denomination for a while longer, partially because we love those who are in the RCA, like fellow, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. So it, I, I find when I'm looking at this, what is God's love? We have to say, like I talked about before, we got this truth and grace thing going on. It's bold enough to say, here's the truth. It's graceful enough to say, we're going to be patient. We're going to be kind. We're not going to keep records of wrongs. Um, and, and that's hard. I mean, I, as I've lived through COVID, I always kept in my mind one thought, even with those who were aggressively disagreeing with things in the life of the church, is I have to maintain a relationship. I have to maintain a relationship. I have to have a connection with them. I have to love them, even though I don't totally agree with the process of which they were approaching COVID. But I still have to love them. I still have to try to maintain a relationship with them. I'm going to add, I'm going to ask a question and add a caveat to that. Mark 6, 10 and 11. This is Jesus's words. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. There is a case, and I think, I don't know if this is Jesus trying to protect our mental health, trying to, Paul says, you know what, my conscience is clear because I did everything I could and they still went the way they went. Um, there, there are cases, and, and that's one of, the, one of the worries, and I think this is a helpful discussion. We're probably near the end, so I don't know if it's going to, we'll have it or not, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wonder if, the modern church, because we're not able to let go of people or let go of other people who claim to be Christians or let go of pop stars or let go of, you know, certain pastors. And we want to keep that relationship. I wonder if Jesus is giving us a way. Look, if they've showed animosity to you, if you've tried everything you could, Paul says, if your conscience is clear because you've done everything you can now, I don't know that I could get to this point with my kids, but gee, it's clear here. Go out, spread the gospel. Wherever you go, stay in that same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome or listen to you, just know that you tried and then you got to move on. Um, I wonder if it's one of those ways that, you know, a lot of people say that you, and, and they say this about family, and I'm not sure I always agree with it, but if a family is bad for your mental health, you've got to reevaluate, you know. But we we mischaracterize mental health issues and everything, too, so we'll throw away those things too soon. So I don't want to use that, but there are some relationships that are toxic, that always bring out the worst in you, that always... And I almost wonder if 
this is him saying, look, you, you've done everything you could. Love has, but at some point, for the sake of your family, you know, because sometimes we keep relationships that are damaging to our children, and we say that's love. At some point, for the sake of your marriage, at some point, for the sake of your work, at some point, for the sake of your ministry, you have to say, I tried and I loved you as much as I could, but it's not good for me to be in this relationship. Would uh, that be would that be kind of the tough love though that we we know that sometimes has to be shown? Do you think um, that Jesus here is is telling them this so that those people that are rejecting them will reevaluate their rejection of him and come back? I don't think so. I I don't know, and I when I see it contextually. I, I don't know that. I use well, as a, the as other a, thing, if somebody if somebody sins against you, what's the last step? Yeah. If a, if a brother sins against you, the go. last step yeah, is to treat them like they they don't belong to the sure. family. Sure, Matthew sure. 18. Matthew so, 18. You know, um, I, I don't. And contextually here, I, I think Pete, it, it is fair to say these are these are disciples going out spreading the gospels from town to town. Right. I don't see necessarily that it's a hundred. It, it but was it's not a certain time, a certain time frame, and I think I, that's I still think it's. Too. I still think it's still. I, I don't know that this this isn't for us either, but I do see how contextually we need to work with it a little bit. Sure, but and but, I, not, the, but the instructions to, but the instructions about if a brother sins against you are clearly for us. Right, and I'm not um, disagreeing with that because sometimes yeah. that's what I was getting at with the tough love. Because what is, I guess what I was going to get is what is our motivation for doing it? Is our motivation for doing yeah. it, okay, you haven't listened, you dirty sinner, so I'm just going to forget you mm. now. No, because I think we still need to keep praying for them. We still need to keep hoping that they're going to come to the Lord. And maybe sometimes having them, you know, if they have to hit rock bottom because they choose to do so, that's going to be yeah. what ends up bringing them to where they need to be, just like the prodigal son. Yeah. I, I want to um, say that the sandal theology for me is the most difficult. Have I done it? Yes, I have. Uh -huh. It tears me apart because I'll say it in a way that sounds like competition. I hate losing. And actually God hates losing. Uh -huh. you know, that's first off. Second off was um, because of the divorce, my sisters went with Claire. Dad won us boys. Uh, my sister, the eldest one, um, ended up going to jail for pushing, I think it was meth, cocaine, and there was one more. And before she went to jail, she called dad, sort of like, well, you're going to save me from not going to jail because you're going to be bring me back to Illinois. And dad was like, have you changed your lifestyle? She says, no. Are you going to change your lifestyle? No. Well, I guess you're going to jail. Yeah. And then he cried for three days. Um, but it's not, you know, when dad and I talked about it, he says, you know, sometimes you have to love enough to realize you have to let go and let God. And, and that wisdom of my father stays with me that sometimes you have to love enough to let go and let God see uh, where God takes them, see what God does, you know, um, yeah. And you trust that you're not, ultimately, you're not responsible for everybody in the world either. Well, that's what makes me a good Calvinist. <laughs> right? You know, because yeah. God is sovereign. God is watching yeah. it over all of it. 
you know, I remember. Don, do you look both ways before you cross the street? If it's my time, it's my time. (laughs) (laughs) That's my grandfather in my head. I, you know, I, I guess that's the thing, you know, what is God's love? I think God's love has enough wisdom and discernment for us to share the gospel in these storms without mm. affirming sin, but affirming that God loves you. And I think part of our culture is still saying that nothing that is bad can ever be reflecting love. So if you ever let something bad happen to somebody else, you obviously don't love them. I I can't disagree more, mm. you know, because bad things happen even when we do love people. You know, well, I remember my mom, my mom used to say when I was a little, little kid, like four years old, five years old, when you'd have to go get um, some type of, you know, go to the doctor for something. And back then I had a doctor who, who just seemed like his cure for everything was the penicillin shot. Those things in the butt hurt like crazy. And uh-huh. my mom would explain to us that, you know, sometimes you have to get that even though it hurts so you don't get worse. And her, her words were, sometimes you have to get a little ouchie so you won't get a big ouchie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I find this conversation the way it's uh, evolving that we almost could go for another hour, by the way, because really uh-huh. what we're the conversation we're having is how do we counter a culture who's made love so artificial that uh-huh. it really doesn't bear teeth anymore? You know, well, that's the question that really is starting what I'm hearing and experiencing. Yeah. And, you know, what is God's love? Wow. Wait a minute. God's love is countercultural to what you think love is. You know, it could be. Yeah. Maybe what we ought to do is start winding this one up then and, and think about doing that for another episode um, about God's love in the culture, because how would you, what would we say godly love is? That's what we're kind of saying is the title of this. What is godly love? And I think godly love is the love that wants to see each person come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. Hmm. So, what is, uh, we were told, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, your neighbor as yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. As yeah. they were explaining the law. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, I think that we've had a good conversation and it is getting time to um, step back here. And maybe we can continue this at another time for another podcast uh, when when people get their minds refreshed. Maybe sometimes that's what we have to do when we're loving people. We need to step back and let them absorb what has happened and and, uh, then come back and talk to them again another time. Who knows? Maybe that's all part of it. So. Well, Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, you kind of led us off with this today, and I thank you for for, uh, sharing what you did. Pastor Josh Kugel, um, your insights are always so valuable. I, I love that. I love the conversations that that you guys have, and you know, I think for about the first ten minutes today, I just kind of sat back and listened, and I was just amazed and and, and really enjoyed it. So, again, I'm Pete Becky. I'm uh, pastor, associate pastor at uh, Christway Community Church. I should say that Josh Kugel is pastor at uh, First Baptist of Lyman in. Um, Gulfport, Mississippi, and Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, is the pastor at Danforth Reformed Church, Danforth, Illinois. And we'd like to ask you to keep praying for us at Reconciling Grace, and please feel free to drop us a line. I think Melody Morris will say that at the end. Send us an email to 
rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And Lord willing, we'll see you again next time for another podcast of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.